just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. That seems to be the case every day. Trauma, drama, something good, something bad. We're hanging on the verge of our democracy or whatever it is. It seems like every day we have tons of things to talk about concerning politics and the future of this country. I'll be perfectly honest with you, as much as I talk about it and as much as I am a political or news junkie, I long for those days prior to Donald Trump where we could just sit back and maybe not worry much about politics for one day. Think about some other things, fun things, nostalgic things. And I hope to explore some of those things on this show, because being a boomer isn't just about politics. Politics is important. It's about the future of this country. And for us that are older, the future isn't necessarily about us. It's about our offspring and their offspring and how they're going to live their lives when we're long gone. We have hopes of leaving this place better than we found it. And as much as people give boomers and Gen Xers a hard time about how they live their life, they don't necessarily understand what we went through. And to be perfectly honest with you, with millennials being mad at us for whatever we did, this is nothing new. Because we also did the same thing to our parents. Our parents did the same thing to their parents. So it's a natural way of things in this country. Always blame the previous generation for your troubles today. But what these millennials will find out, as we found out, you can blame all you want, but when it comes down to it, you're the one that has to take care of it. You're the one that has to fix it because you're the one that has to deal with it. And so the reason I bring this up is because I've been thinking about questions that I've been seeing on the media. Now, the Republicans will come out and they will say, what has Joe Biden done for America? Now, it's natural that they would say that because no matter what Joe Biden does, they're against it because all they want to do is own the Democrats and get power back so they can continue to destroy our democracy and our country. But the thing that troubles me about it more than anything is these polls. Joe Biden's not doing well in the polls. At last sight for me, he was at 42% as far as approval rating. So that makes me think that there are some Democrats out there saying, yeah, what's Joe Biden done? (laughs) Well, I thought at that point it made some sense just to lay it on the line, cut to the chase, get to the bottom line, list the facts, or as my wife has a tendency to say, do you want me to just dick and Jane it for you? (laughs) Now, you boomers, and maybe some of you Gen Xers know what I'm talking when I say, do you want me to dick and Jane it for you? Back in the olden days in the one-room schoolhouses, 
We had reading books, the Dick and Jane books. They were pretty simple, pretty basic, and that's what my wife is getting at when she says that to me all too frequently. (laughs) She feels like she has to simplify for me to understand, and, and, well, maybe she does. But the question is, what Joe Biden has done for this country is worthy of answering because there are some legitimate things, some pretty impressive things that Joe Biden's done in his short time in office. Let's start with the COVID relief bill, $1.9 trillion. People put money in their pockets at a time when they needed it the most. Our economy was hanging by a thread, and that $1.9 trillion allowed it to recover and to stabilize. That in itself is a big deal. Then Joe Biden got us out of a war that we were in for 20 years that cost $300 million a year out of our tax money. He got us out of it in spite of the fact that all the other previous presidents that were involved in that war including Donald Trump, did not have the balls to actually pull us out. They all talked about it. They said, we shouldn't be in there. And the fact of the matter is, is we shouldn't have been there. Nobody who's ever gone into Afghanistan, including the Russians, has ever come out victorious. It just goes on and on and on forever. We're spending $300 million a day or a year. I don't know what it is. It's a lot of fucking money. And uh, it was all going to nothing, because if we were training the Afghanis, well, then when we left them on their own, they folded up and died so quick you couldn't fucking believe it. So Joe Biden, what has he done? Well, he got us out of a 20-year war that we can't win, that is simply a money pit and a danger to our troops. We had a lot of troops die in Afghanistan unnecessarily. I mean, think about it. For us old folks, can you imagine if Vietnam had gone 20 years? I mean, as it was, it went probably about 10, 12 years, and that was way too long. Imagine it going 20 years. Well, that's what pretty much Afghanistan was. Not as many Americans died in Afghanistan as in Vietnam, but it's the same premise. We really had no business being there. And when it was all said and done, we accomplished absolutely nothing. We didn't fix anything. Chances are we probably heard it. Now, the next thing uh, Joe Biden did, he brought us the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now, of course, Donald Trump tried doing this for four years. Every other week it was infrastructure week. Oh, it's coming. We've got some big plans. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But in all those four years, all Donald Trump did was fucking fail. No infrastructure bill was ever passed under Donald Trump. And here's what you need to understand. This infrastructure bill is very late for us. We should have been working on infrastructure 30, 40 years ago. We have bridges and roads falling apart. We have a whole internet system that wasn't even around 40 years ago that needs to be built up and and uh, made to work for more people. Internet isn't a luxury anymore. It's almost a necessity for anybody who lives in America. They're going to improve the electrical grid. 
Now, this country has been very lucky with our electrical grids. We basically have two big ones, one in the west part of the country, one in the east part of the country, and it's been pretty stable. But it's literally been decades and decades since we've done anything to it, to improve it, to stabilize it, to uh, fortify it. We've done nothing with that. And can you imagine what would happen if one of those grids went down? We saw an example of that, kind of a microcosm of it, in Texas last winter. Because Texas has their very own grid. Of course, that's the way they've got to do it. It's a weaker grid, and it's all there only for companies to make money. Not that it's a better service or a cheaper service to the citizens. fact is, it, it, it ends up being more expensive and certainly less stable. I mean, that grid broke down going into winter. People were freezing. There was no water. There was no heat. It was a horrible situation, and people died there. So isn't it about time that somebody put some money back into our grid? Because if it happened to one of the big grids, it would be a thousand times worse than what we saw in Texas. Joe Biden brought that to us in the infrastructure bill. And I want to talk about the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, a little later because that whole thing is a misnomer. It's ironic what's come out of that bipartisan bill from the Republican side of things. Now, here's something interesting to note. Donald Trump is the only president in the United States history to leave office with fewer jobs than when he entered. He gained zero jobs. Now, Joe Biden has created 5.3 million jobs. And then, of course, Donald Trump loved to tout the uh, stock market, Dow Jones. Now, when he left office, it was at uh, 30,000. Now, Joe Biden's in office, and where it sits right now is about 36,000. That's about a 20% increase. Now, the real kicker to this whole situation is Donald Trump had four years. Joe Biden's only been in 10 months. So when you look at all those things that were accomplished in less than a year by Joe Biden, if you were to compare him to other presidents in their first year, Joe is probably the most prolific and most successful president in our history. Yet those poll numbers keep saying, yeah, only 42% approve of Joe, Joe Biden. Why? What the fuck do you want him to do? Well, all these things are important things, and of course people want them. But as I said earlier on, people in this country are a little short-sighted. They're a little selfish. They don't get mad at anything, no matter how bad it is, until it pinches them right in their own ass. And anytime something goes bad, if it costs them a little bit more money or whatever it is, then they're mad and they blame the president. And a lot of cases, that is the problem of the president. But you don't look at all these other situations. Gas prices are too high. Well, no president controls gas prices. It's about supply and demand. And let's talk about the supply chain thing and the problems there with not enough product coming to this country or getting into this country. 
And because of that, we've got this inflation rate that's the highest it's been in almost 30 years. So this has people upset. They're saying they're not approving of Joe Biden. So what are you going to do? Vote for Donald Trump? You just experienced four years of that. Are you going to then switch from Joe Biden to Donald Trump? You know what? People in this country are so fucking dumb. Not everybody. Not us, of course. Those of us doing and listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. But a lot of people in this country are stupid. They only know what they can see and what's in front of them. They don't take any time to dig out any information, do their research, or anything like that. They just don't do it. Gas prices are high. They're mad. Food prices are high. They're mad. And I get it, man. I'm mad, too. i got to pay those prices as well. But you have, have to understand why we're here. It's not because of Joe Biden. It's actually because of Donald Trump. And I'll explain to you how. Donald Trump had the pandemic. He decided to call it a hoax. He decided to ignore it. There might even be some insidious shit in there because the story goes that Jared Kushner told Donald Trump that, yeah, it only looks like uh, this COVID thing is going to affect the big communities. So that, of course, is the blue states and the blue cities. So let it go. Who gives a fuck if the Democrats die? What's ironic about that is now all the red areas, the red states, are the ones that won't take the vaccine, and now they're the ones dying. Once again, Donald Trump, Jared Kushner, fuck it up, make the wrong choice, screw it up. That's what they did. But the thing is, when it comes down to voters, the only real thing that they consider when they're voting is the economy, and more specifically, how it affects them. There's one, one, one time it's been different than that, and that was in 2020. But this goes along with what I said before. It's got to pinch you in the ass before people react to certain things. Donald Trump lost 2020 for a couple of reasons. First of all, he didn't do anything. Had he done something with COVID-19, there could have been a whole different story in 2020. Had he actually come up with a health care plan like he promised, could have been a different story in 2020. Had he actually gotten a tax break for the middle class and done something for the middle class as opposed to the rich, it might have been different in 2020. But he did none of those things. So, and, and on top of that, he did some criminal things. He talked a lot. He was embarrassing. He was frightening. Our country was hanging by a thread democratically. And so at that point, when they voted for Joe Biden over Donald Trump, the main reason why they voted for Joe Biden was out of fear. They feared the prospect of having Donald Trump for four more years. They were absolutely frightened about it. Now, when we come to 2024, Joe Biden's probably not going to run. I've said that for a long time um, because he's going to be 82. He's just not going to be able to do that. Um, it could be Kamala Harris. It could be any number of Democrats that run in 2024. But I want you to understand something, and I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by this. The economy is the key. Now, hopefully these infrastructure bills and the Build Back Better bill 
will do what it's supposed to do as far as fixing the supply chain, bringing down uh, inflation, and just fixing things for the people of this country, bringing down the uh, gas prices. Because you see, what I was getting at before, I said it was Donald Trump's fault for all of these things. Anytime you have a major event in a country, like World War One or World War Two, the supply chain changes. The economy changes because people don't have money. They aren't going out to eat. They aren't buying things. So everything that's brought to this country is slowed down. And then when there's an influx of money and people can get back to work, it takes a while for that supply chain to catch up and get back to normal. It will do that. It will take a little bit of time, but ultimately it will. And ultimately it will improve the experience for the people sitting at their kitchen tables. Food prices will go down, gas prices will go down, the economy will be good, and that will be a positive thing for Joe Biden come 2024. And again, I don't think he's running, but it'll be good for the Democrats. And it should be good for the Democrats in 2022, assuming we can actually get some results from this that quickly. And I assume we can, especially with the Build Back Better deal. But you all probably remember George H.W. Bush. Yeah. He was better than uh, his kid. He had a few more brains than his kid. I don't know if he was a great president. I don't really think so. But you might remember, if you're old enough, if you're old like I am, you'll remember when he was first in and they attacked Iraq and they just pounded the shit out of Iraq. Now, At that point, George H.W. Bush had probably one of the highest approval ratings in the history of presidents. I mean, he was beloved because of what happened in Iraq, and the economy was going okay. But then as time went on, for whatever reason, it could have been his doing, Congress's doing, or whoever's doing, or maybe it's just cyclical. But the economy went to shit. It just went to shit. I mean, it was horrible. People were upset about it. Now, this guy that they loved for being a brave warrior in Iraq, now they hate because it's affecting their kitchen table, their gas in their car. It's affecting all these things. And all of a sudden, they just turned tail and said, nah, we're not voting for George H.W. Bush. (laughs) And here's the thing. That opened the door wide open for Bill Clinton. Now, Bill Clinton was a governor of Arkansas, nobody from nowhere. Clearly, he had an aptitude for politics. But I really have to believe when George H.W. Bush was so popular, there were a lot of Democratic potential candidates that said, yeah, fuck no, I'm not going up against him, taking a loss and then ruining my career. I'll wait till the next one. Well, Bill Clinton jumped in. He wouldn't normally have had any chance in hell, but he was a good talker. He got in at the right time. He kicked George H.W. Bush out after one term, and he did well. The economy did well. And again, that may be cyclical, but he got credit for it, just as much as Joe Biden got credit or discredit for how shitty the economy was when he was leaving office. So that's my point. And this is the biggest concern with uh, the Democratic Party right now and the hopes of the Republican Party. Come 2022, one of the reasons they think 
meaning the Republicans, think that they can beat the Democrats in 2022 is because of the economy being shitty. And if it is shitty, there's an excellent chance that will happen because that's all people think about. What's it going to cost me? Democracy be damned. How is it going to affect my pocketbook? I get that, but sometimes you have to have a wider view. You can't be so narrow, so self-centered about what's going on if you have hopes of making this a better country. Now, with these bills that are passing, that will help out greatly. We'll get more people exposed from January 6th, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and um, some of the other crimes that Donald Trump has been involved in, like in Georgia, like um, with New York. There's a lot of stuff coming down, and this is going to change the perspective of most voters. And hopefully that will help us out, the Democrats, in 2022 and ultimately 2024, especially if in 2022 we can get a bigger margin, a bigger majority in the Senate and the House. Then we don't have to worry about Joe Manchin or the Republicans. They'll just start doing some work and doing some business. If that's what the Democrats will do, we will see if they actually follow through. Because frankly, as I've said before, generally speaking, prior to Donald Trump, they were no better than the Republicans. They have their problems, too. But so as we get closer to 2022, we have to see a lot of things happen. But to suggest that Joe Biden has done nothing is absolutely ridiculous. COVID relief bill got out of a 20-year war, got a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill passed, created 5.3 or 5.3 million jobs, brought the stock market to 36000 and doing it all in 10 months. The fact that he's so low in the polls makes no fucking sense, unless you understand the voters of this country. They're only thinking about themselves, only thinking about their pocketbooks. And again, I understand that. But sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture. What really has to happen here is Joe has to get on his bicycle, do what he needs to do with the bills and everything else, the voter owning rights bill, the police reform bill, continue putting heat on the Republicans that have committed crimes and do all he can to look good for 2022. But we're only a year away. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. But if someone ever tells you Joe Biden has done nothing, tell them they're full of shit because he's done a lot, a lot more than most presidents we've lived through. So he deserves the credit for that. Even if the polls don't go up, the fact is he did those things, and those were absolutely crucial to keeping this country together, keeping this country afloat. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. Okay, so we've got the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. That's a good thing. It's going to bring money to a lot of states, both red and blue, who need it, who have bridges, roads, all kinds of water problems. We know what's going on in Michigan. We've got water that's contaminated, people getting sick and dying and have been for decades. This money is going to come to those states and help repair all of those problems. These are problems that should have been repaired decades ago. But still, 
Now at least the infrastructure bill is passed. It was bipartisan, meaning both Republicans and Democrats technically agreed on it. So that's all good news, right? Well, not everybody thinks so, and you won't be surprised to know that it's the fucking Republicans that are upset about it. Because it's not about what's good for the country and good for the people. It's about making the Republicans look good and the Democrats look bad. So in the House, when they voted for this bipartisan bill, there were 13 Republicans that voted for it. That shouldn't have been any surprise to anybody because it was bipartisan. The surprise should be that only 13 fucking voted for it. If it's bipartisan and the Republicans have negotiated this, why would they not vote for it? If this is bringing good things to their states who desperately need this help, why would it be a bad thing to vote for? But it goes even further here. And this is the most upsetting thing about it. And it perfectly illustrates the kind of human beings we're looking at with Republicans today. And I know some will say, well, there's the crazy Republicans and there's the normal Republicans. Well, the normal Republicans are allowing the crazy Republicans to do what they want to fucking do. So you know what? You're just as guilty. So I say it's the whole Republican Party. But since this bill passed and there were 13 Republican reps that voted for it, these poor people have been inundated, threatened. I've heard some voicemails where people have called up, threatened not only them, but their families with death, with assassination, because they had the audacity to vote for the bipartisan bill, which I think everybody agrees is a good thing for everybody, whether you're red or blue. But these people are getting harassed by the general public and by people in Congress. They're getting death threats because they voted for a bipartisan bill. You see what I mean? This perfectly illustrates the kind of humans we're dealing with. They're fucking despicable. They're animals. They aren't worthy to be in this country because that's not who this country is. We don't fight amongst ourselves threatening to kill each other just because somebody voted for a bill that's in the best interest of this country. But these fuckers do. They want to own the Democrats. They want to shut them down completely so they can take power, whether or not you get taken care of, as you should, according to the jobs from these people in Congress. That's their fucking job. But in spite of that, they'd rather have nothing done for the people and just shut down the Democrats. Well, why the fuck did we call this bipartisan? Clearly, we've talked to the Republicans about this. Clearly, the Republicans agreed with a lot of it. And here's the ironic thing. These Republicans who voted against it are now going to their home states and they're touting all the great things that are coming to their state, trying to take credit for it. Well, newspapers all over the country are listing those people who voted against it, so they're going to have a hard time trying to take credit for it when the media is reporting that these fucking idiots were the people that voted against it. Now, here's the thing. It's not just the people, and there are tons and tons, thousands of people calling up, leaving voicemail messages, sending notes, sending emails, threatening people's lives because they voted for the bipartisan bill. And this isn't, they're not doing it to the Democrats. 
They're doing it to the Republicans because they feel the Republicans are traitors for allegedly siding with the Democrats. When in fact, they didn't side with the Democrats. They sided with the people of this country who are in desperate need of these things that that infrastructure bill provides. But they don't fucking care. They're angry. They're mad. Now, here's the crazy thing, too. Now, people in Congress, the Lauren Boberts, Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe even Kevin McCarthy and some of the Paul Gosar and these people, they're fucking nuts. We know they're fucking nuts. Now, what they're suggesting to do is exactly what they did to Liz Cheney because she had the audacity to uh, join that House Select Committee. They want to take away their committee appointments. They want to strip them of all power because they had the audacity to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill. But here's the interesting thing, and here's what shows what kind of people we're dealing with. Representative Paul Gosar. Now, this this guy's a fucking nutcase. Just watch him sometime. Listen to him. You can't comprehend what he's saying. He's obviously losing it. He's he's, uh, got diminished cognitive abilities. He's a fucking racist, a misogynist, and an anti-Semite. He's a white supremacist. He's an idiot, and he's a piece of shit. Even his whole family hates him. His sister came on to a TV show just a couple days ago and said he's a sociopath and he should be expelled from Congress. That's his sister. When he ran for office, his all of his brothers and sisters did ads to promote his competitor because they didn't want to see him become an actual, actual representative. But to no avail, he did. Because the idiots that voted for him apparently didn't see anything wrong with this guy. Well, what Paul Gozar just recently did is about as appalling as anybody can do, and it is bordering on illegal, if not in fact illegal. Paul Gozar and his staff posted a Photoshop meme, basically, an anime meme showing him murdering AOC and attacking Joe Biden. Are you fucking kidding me? A U.S. House of Representatives Post something like that. Tell me that's not fucking crazy. Tell me that doesn't show that this guy is absolutely incompetent. But that's what he posted. Now, if you threaten the president of the United States, I don't care what anybody says, that is fucking illegal, and he should be tried for that. And we'll see if that occurs. But what's interesting now... um, his sister suggested, at the very least, he should be censored, and uh, censured, and then uh, expelled from Congress. And I think that makes sense, given all the things he's done, the likelihood that he was part of the uh, group in Congress that helped to plan and uh, execute the January sixth insurrection. But now, apparently, Representative. Barbara Lewis and Representative uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz are presenting and have authored uh, a bill to censure Paul Gosar. Now, that's uh, 
a pretty minor thing, relatively speaking. I think most people don't think anything happens to somebody who's been censured. It's a slap on the wrist, and it's just something negative against their record. But there is one more part of it, and it seems justified in this case, the very least they can do. If they censure him, that will then strip him of any committee appointments, taking away all power that he would have in Congress. You know, they did that to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, here's this loudmouth, stupid bitch running around with nothing to do but stir shit up. Now, of course, Paul Gozar, if you strip him of all his duties, he'll probably do the same thing. But he needs to be accountable for this. What he did with this posting is inexcusable. A U.S. rep should not be doing this sort of thing, and certainly not threatening a fellow congressman or a president of the United States. That can't be let go. Now, these two representatives are putting together a bill to censure him. And if it's going to be in the House, it'll probably pass because the Democrats have the majority. The Republicans can do what they want to do, but the fact of the matter is they can't beat the Democrats in this situation. Now, we also understand that uh, Nancy Pelosi is talking about putting together an investigation, an ethics investigation on Paul Kosar, which should be the least of what they will do. You know, the funny thing is AOC saw this, saw these meme of Paul Gozar trying to kill her. And all she did, she responded with a a tweet and she said, here I've got this creepy member of the house posting a fantasy of him killing me. And then she said the operative point, she said, and you know what? The Republican Party will do nothing about this, not hold him accountable, because they are cheering him on. And that's exactly right. What have you heard from Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, the minority Republican leader in the House of Representatives? Nothing. But see the irony in this? They want to take apart all the people that voted for the bipartisan bill. They want to take them down, take away all their committee assignments, but they don't say a word about Paul Paul Gosar threatening to kill a congressman and also threatening to attack a president of the United States. This is the perfect illustration of who these fucks are. They're horrible animals. That's who they are. And that's all Republicans. Because even if you're not doing it, if you support it or don't fight back against it, you're just as bad. It's as simple as that. We'll see if that censure actually goes through and see whatever else happens, investigations or what have you. But for the folks of Arizona that are represented by Paul Gosar, I'm either angry at you or I feel sorry for you. If you still support Paul Gosar, then you are a fucking part of the problem. Now, you know, we've been watching all these uh, trials with the insurrectionist going on in Washington. They're taking those people that were arrested from January 6th in the insurrection. And a lot of people have been very upset because it seems like the uh, punishment or the sentencing has been fairly light. And there's a reason for that. 
because most of what they've tried or prosecuted now is the lower-level nonviolent stuff, the lower-level nonviolent stuff. So this stuff wouldn't command serious jail time. They're going to get that out of the way, and they have. Well, they just started dealing with some violent criminals from January 6th. And there was a gentleman by the name of Scott Fairlam. Fairlam. He is a New Jersey gym owner and an MMA fighter. And what he did on January 6th, he literally punched a police officer at the insurrection. Now, there's video of this. There's no question about it. I saw the video. You've probably seen the video. But he literally pushes a cop. The cop gets back up, and he punches him in the face. Now, granted, the cop had a mask on, but it, that mask wasn't for protection. It was for, for um, COVID or what have you. So he connected pretty hard. And the fact of the matter is nobody should be able to punch a cop. If that man was black, he would have been fucking dead. But because he's white, he got to get away with it, and, uh, but not for long. You see, shortly after the insurrection in January, this man was picked up because he was easy to pick up, pick out and easy to find. They threw that dumb fuck in jail, and he's been there since January. Well, he pled guilty to this charge. He really didn't have much choice because all you have to do is look at the video and say, yeah, that's him, and yeah, that's what he did. That is a crime. He is guilty. Unfortunately, he was smart enough to realize he was guilty, and he pled guilty. So he was, uh, so he was sentenced to a total of 41 months, about three and a half years. Now, he will get time served, too. So for the 10 months he had up to this point, He'll have that subtracted from that 41 months, and it'll be 31 months. But he's still going to be in jail for about two and a half years. And he's going to pay the price. And that's a much stiffer thing than we've seen up to now. We've seen 60 days, 90 days, that sort of thing. But these were lower-level crimes. Now we're getting to the big crimes. Now, here's the interesting thing. You remember the... QAnon shaman, the guy with the headdress and the horns and the bare chest and the tattoos and all of this fucking shit. This guy's nuts. This guy may might even be mentally incompetent. He's got some problems. But he's on trial or going on trial and the uh, the prosecutors are looking for 51 months for this guy. 51 months. That's like uh, four and a half years. And chances are he's going to get it if this sentence of 41 months for this guy is any bearing on that. So he's crying and whining and his judge is basically saying, well, he's like Forrest Gump. He's not of a right mind. He shouldn't be treated like that. He should be let off with time served. Well, they can't afford to do that. They have to make an example of these people that were in the insurrection simply so we don't have another fucking insurrection. It's as simple as that. If these people don't pay a price, a legitimate price for the crimes they committed, we're going to get somebody else 
doing it. Hell, we might get somebody else doing it even if we do hold them accountable because these aren't the smartest motherfuckers I've ever seen. They're dumb as shit. Now, right after he was sentenced, he said, uh, I truly regret my actions that day. I have nothing but remorse for what I did. (laughs) And on TikTok, I jokingly said, and then he said, Trump 2020. (laughs) Didn't really say that, but I wish he did. Because that would be just about the speed for some clown like this. Now, we got another interesting story, and this is a big story. Something we need to think about. Something that we'll be hearing about. We know that Donald Trump has been trying to stop the release of the documents from the White House in and around January 6th. The National Archives has them. He tried to claim uh, executive privilege, found out he doesn't have executive privilege. That's owned by the sitting president, Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, fuck you. We're not asserting executive privilege. Release them. So what does Donald Trump do? He then goes and files a lawsuit. He knows he's going to lose because he has zero case, but he thinks he's going to delay it. Except it gets picked up pretty fast. He goes to court on the 4th of November, and the judge rules that, yeah, you don't have any case. Your request is denied. Now, I've told you that part of the story up to this point, but that's where we stood. Now, Donald Trump's got a problem. Because the National Archives has said they are going to release these documents on Friday of this week, Friday, November 12th, unless some court says, no, you can't hold off for a little bit. So now that he lost this case, of course, he's going to try to appeal it. But the first step in trying to appeal it, he has to go back to the same judge that just sent down this ruling, which was scathing, and basically told Donald Trump he was a fucking fool to even ask this. He had to go back to her and say, can you give me a stay until I can appeal this? Now, in a lot of cases, judge will say, sure. All right, if you think there's something there. Uh, I'll give you a stay for X amount of time so you can get the appeal started. Well, in this case, this judge believed that Donald Trump had so little to go on, she said, no, I'm not giving you a stay. It's not happening. So now the next step for Donald Trump is to go to a higher court see if they will give him a stay so that he can then appeal. Well, the fact of the matter is they're going to look at the ruling or the decision by the previous judge, and they're going to see there's absolutely no reason to appeal it. It's pretty cut and dried. Now, I'm not absolutely certain that that court won't give him a stay, but there is no real reason for him to have it, and uh, we'll see. Now, if they don't give him a stay, he'll probably go to the Supreme Court. Now, even though he stacked the Supreme Court, this is so outside the law, not even they can do anything about it or or overturn it. Now, here's the thing. Here's the big problem for Donald Trump. Yeah, he can go to a higher court. Yeah, he can go to the Supreme Court. But if he doesn't have a stay, the National Archives is releasing that in on Friday, which is a day and a half away from right now. So he's got to hustle his ass off to try to get something done, and he just doesn't have enough time. 
that shit's going to get released one way or another. And it's going to expose who he is, what he is, and why he did this shit. So it's going to be funny. This is going to expose who he talked to, when he talked to them, what he talked to them about, what he was thinking, what he did, what he didn't do. And this is going to expose the fact that uh, he was part of the problem with this insurrection and one of the, not only the inciter of the insurrection, but probably one of the planners and one of the architects of said insurrection. It's a big problem for Donald Trump. He's in fucking trouble. He knows it. He's going through the pens like nobody's business. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about quickly, Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse's trial is ongoing. I haven't really been paying much attention to it. But Kyle Rittenhouse testified today on television. And it was entertaining as all get out. While the defense attorney, his own attorney, was was uh, cross ex- or examining him or asking him questions. Um, apparently, <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse broke down this poor 18-year-old boy, and he started convulsing and crying and getting upset, and they had to take a break so he could g- regain his composure and come back. But the funny thing is, is I'm watching him, and let me just say this up front. He's an ugly fucking crier. He looked like an idiot doing what he did, and I don't believe a fucking minute of any of that crying, and here's why. If you look at that videotape, not one tear. Not one fucking tear. This is a ploy by the defense to try to get this little cherub-faced boy to be a, a, a sympathetic character to the jury. That's all it was. He wasn't crying. He's sure of himself. And when he was asked questions by the prosecution, he showed that. Except he contradicted himself. See, he said he's just protecting himself. Okay, even if that's true, first of all, you lived in Illinois. You took an AR-15 that you weren't legally able to have or own. You grabbed your mom, you went across state lines, you walked into a riot-torn area. You claimed you were going to offer medical help to people at this riot. So my question is, why then an AR-15? What kind of medical help can you give with an AR-15? And he said, well, I had to protect myself. How about this? You're a 17-year-old boy in Illinois. How about you stay home, go on a date with your best girl or best boy or whatever it is, but don't get yourself in the middle of that shit. If I found my son getting in a car wanting to go to another state to join in on a riot, I certainly wouldn't drive him there. And if he tried to drive there on himself, I'd grab him by the hair, pull him out of the car and say, get in the fucking house. You're not going anywhere and give me that gun and we're getting rid of it. Kid had no business doing it. Now, what was interesting, there were some pictures taken of him and he's trying to play off like he's this nice boy. He just got caught up in something and he was just protecting himself. Yet he's talking to somebody and there's a video taken of him and he's given the white supremacy sign. Yeah, you're a nice boy. You're a white supremacist piece of shit. You may be young, but you're a fucking murderer. You killed two people. You shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have had a gun, and you shouldn't have shot two people. 
So this court case is going on. Now, while it's all going on, we've got this dipshit judge who's got some problems because half the time you don't understand what he's saying because he can't keep a train of thought. And he seems to be um, siding with the defense and and, uh, um, Kyle Rittenhouse. And what would be the big surprise? An old white man in Wisconsin being a racist. What are the odds of that? But this guy's an idiot in the first place. And secondly, he's obviously biased toward the defense, which is a big no-no for judges. They're supposed to be impartial. This guy is not impartial. And chances are he's going to get into some trouble after this because it's on TV. He's exposing himself. He's looking like a fucking idiot, and he's looking like he's unfair. This may be the last court case that this fucking idiot ever runs again. So the Kyle Rittenhouse thing is moving. Um, It's absolutely a shit show. Uh, For my money, because it's in Wisconsin and because it's with this judge, I wouldn't at all be surprised if Kyle Rittenhouse gets off completely scot-free. But we'll see. The good news is, the word I've heard is that if he gets off scot-free, the feds will come in and charge him with a federal crime, taking a gun across state lines and murdering somebody. That is potentially an FBI uh, jurisdiction. And he's going to have some problems one way or another. Even if he slips out of this one, chances are the feds are going to get him. All right, let's wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. You have a question, comment, or complaint? Send an email directly to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer podcast, leave a voicemail message. Always interested in hearing from you. So, have a good day. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.